that was fun, and we got to have some fun with that. You know, when, when I was listening to those answers, first of all, I got to give props to Felix, you know, because I'm, I'm like, they didn't survey me because I would have said milk too, you know, that, that milk. I mean, I got my milk out this morning, and I shook it before I poured. Any other, buddy, do we shake your milk? Yeah, yeah, it's better, better when it's shaken. You know, but there's one answer that I, I'd never heard. I didn't hear anybody, I didn't hear anybody in the crowd, I didn't hear Joe or Felix say this, but there's, there's one answer that I really think is the best answer when it comes to what gets better when it is shaken. Faith. Faith. That, that faith gets better when it is shaken. That, that, that what, what, is, what is it that what happens when, when our faith gets shaken? That, that, that when our faith doesn't get rattled loose, when the difficulties come, when hardships come, when tragedy strikes, that, that what happens is that our faith actually grows stronger. And it's not that any of us ever wish that our faith would get shaken. No, nobody wakes up in the morning and, and says their morning prayer and says, and Lord, Will you just shake my faith this morning? I mean, no, nobody shares those kind of prayers. But yet what ends up happening is when our faith gets shaken and we do not get rattled loose, that we end up growing and enduring faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we get started with Unshakable, is that we're going to talk about enduring faith of, of what is this enduring faith and how is it that we go about getting it that, that anybody with faith wants this kind of faith anybody with faith wants an unshakable anybody with faith wants an enduring faith in fact you don't even have to be religious or even be a christ follower for you to know somebody a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, a friend, for you to know somebody that has this unshakable faith, this enduring faith, whose faith, it never seems to get shaken, no matter what happens. It could be multiple miscarriages. It could be a goal that somebody has worked years, it's been years in the making, and yet everything about it just crumbles and falls apart, and there's never going to be a chance of recovery to be able to achieve that goal. It could be family news that ends up just rocking their world. That, that people have an enduring faith, this unshakable faith. There are people that can go through tremendous losses, that they could lose their job, they could lose their home. They, they could lose a spouse, they could lose their retirement. They could lose their health, they could even lose a child. And yet their faith does not get rattled loose. That instead, through that, they end up growing stronger. And I think that what ends up happening with people that have this kind of enduring faith, this kind of unshakable faith, that they, they typically give one of two responses. They say, I'm, I'm trusting God to get me through this. That, that as you listen to them and listen to what they're going through, it, it is, it's this sense of, I'm trusting God. 
to get me through this. That, that, that another thing that they'll say is, I, I, just, I just believe. I believe that God is going to get me through this. That, that people don't, don't take this approach of, well, I'll get over it. No, no, no. It's a, I'll get through it. I, I know that God will get me through it. I trust he's going to get me through it. I believe that God is going to get me through this and see me through. And when you know someone with a faith like that, the, the, the thought, what, what happens, this thought goes through our mind, I, I wonder how it would be if I went through what they're going through. I wonder how it would be if, if I was the one experiencing what they are experiencing. And then we watch them have this incredible faith and we begin to question ourselves, would I, would I have that kind of faith? Would I have that kind of hope? Would I have that kind of trust in God if I was the one having to live through this? What is it that, that gives somebody like that this, this grit, this tenacity, to, to just hold to and cling to God as their whole world just gets rocked and shaken. And I think when we try to answer this question, that what we understand is unshakable people have an amazing faith. That, that they have this faith. It, it, it's not just a, an average faith. It's not a convenient faith. But it is an amazing faith. And, and again, no matter where you're at in your belief, to watch somebody have that kind of faith, it, it's, it's inspiring. And, 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 and for those of us that, that we watch that, we, we go, well, where, where, where does that amazing faith come from? That we ask this question, we, we want to know, where does that amazing faith come from? And there's a second question I think we end up asking ultimately as well. As well. And that question is, how can I have that kind of faith? How is it that I could have the kind of faith that when you see that unshakable, that, that you go, how can I have the kind of faith that you have? You might not ever express that to them. You might just keep it internally. You, you might end up expecting. But there is that desire. It's where does it come from and how can I get it? It's the two questions that end up rising to the surface. You know, maybe for you, maybe you, as I'm talking through this, maybe you go, you know, I, I had that kind of faith once, but I've lost it. I, I used to be, I, I used to have that, I, but I just don't have that anymore. Maybe for you, it's, I've, I've wanted that kind of faith, but I've never figured out how to have it. And because of that, the idea of faith has just lost its appeal because I've never been able to get that kind of faith. Or maybe for you, you would just say, you know what, I, I've always wanted that, but I've just never known where to start. I, 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 I don't know where to begin. I, I want that kind of faith. And I think if any of those answers resonate with you, 
then this series is for you. The, the weeks that we're going to end up spending together talking about unshakable and, and how do we get to this place? How is it that, that God ends up growing our faith to where we could have the, this enduring faith, that this faith that would never give up, that we could have this? I don't know if you've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If, if you haven't, I, I cannot encourage you enough to, to get your Bible and just start reading through these four New Testament books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, that really deal with the life and the time of Jesus. That, that, to just chew through these 89 chapters and, and, and to be able to take it in. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you will find is there were, there were two unique times that Jesus was amazed. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read through the life of that, and, and you will find that there are two occasions when Jesus was amazed by someone. And that they write about this and they share this so that, so that you and I can look at this and see this and go, okay, that's, that's what amazes Jesus. And so we're going to take the time and, and we're going to look at both of these. But, but this first one we're going to look at, it's, it's highly unusual. The, the, the person that ends up amazing Jesus. The, the, the thing that this person does that amazes Jesus is, is even more amazing when you know who the person is. Because the person that, that amazes Jesus, he's a Roman. Not a Jew, but he's a Roman. And not only is he a Roman, but he's a Roman soldier. And he's not just a soldier, but he's a centurion, which means he would be put in charge of 100 men. That he would have a lot of authority. And that this Roman centurion ends up approaching Jesus. We're going to be looking at this in Matthew chapter 8. And this Roman centurion, he, he approaches Jesus. And he tells Jesus about his servant at home. His servant at home who is sick and, and he's paralyzed. And Jesus asks him, well, would, you, would you like for me to come and heal him? And this is where we're going to pick it up. In Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't need to waste your time traveling. I certainly don't deserve the honor of you stepping into my, so, so you don't have to do that. And, and just say the word. The, the, the Roman centurion, instead of leveraging the situation, and going, hey, here's Jesus. Everybody's seeking a piece of Jesus. Everybody's wanting Jesus. And Jesus is offering to come to his home. And instead of leveraging it and going, I'm going to have some bragging rights tonight. You know, instead of doing that, he just very humbly says, I, I don't deserve for you to come to my home. Jesus, just say the word. And, and I know, I know my servant will be healed. Verse nine, he goes on, he says, for I myself am a man under authority and with soldiers under me. 
And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So the Roman centurions, he's telling Jesus, I understand authority. I understand the power of a spoken word when somebody has authority. And what he's telling Jesus is that he sees in him, I see the authority over life that you have. Doesn't necessarily know why he's got it, how he got it, but he knows he has it. And because you have that authority, just Jesus, just, just say the word, and I know that it'll be done. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. That if you've got your Bible, this is something you should just mark, you should circle, this is jump out at you. Jesus was amazed. He was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Of all the Jews, of all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the religious leaders, he has not seen anyone, not even his own disciples that has had the kind of faith of this Roman centurion that says, I don't know everything about you, but I know the authority you have, and I know what you are capable of doing. Just say the word. You know what Jesus, when we read through Scripture, what Jesus has never been amazed by? There's really two things that stand out to me. That we never see this in scripture, Jesus being amazed by this. He's not amazed by knowledge. And he's not amazed by obedience. Those aren't what amazes him. But yet, those are the two things that if you are a Christ follower... Those are the two things that amazes you with other Christ followers. That, that when we look at and we get to see somebody that just has this, this incredible knowledge, that they, they just know God's word, that, that, that they're able to quote it, that, that whatever the situation is, and, and they just say, well, you know, I was reading the Bible the other day, and they just start telling you what they know what's in the Bible. That they, they've got this incredible knowledge that they just know these things. And it does, it, it, it tends to amaze us. Or, or when people are, are just obedient, they're, they're just extremely obedient. That they just choose to live a life where they go, okay, you know, God, you, you, you've asked for a 10% minimum, so I'm, I'm just, of course, I'm gonna give it. Here you go. They're just obedient. That they're just obedient when it comes to, God, you, you said that this is how I should live, and so I, I'm, go, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be humble. And, and they're patient. They're gentle, they're kind, they put others above themselves. They're just obedient to everything that they see God's word say. And when we see those people, we are, we are so impressed by, by people that have this knowledge and the people that just live with, with such incredible obedience. That we're impressed, we're inspired by this, but Jesus, he is not amazed by these he just expects these. 
He's not amazed by him because he's saying, if, if you're going to follow me, this should be the price you're willing to pay to follow me. Because of all that I've done for you, that this should be the least that you should be willing to do. And so no, he's not amazed by our knowledge or our our obedience. He just expects these. Jump to verse 13 with me. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. His servant was healed when Jesus said the word. Just like he believed it would. What Jesus was and what he is amazed by is faith. That's what Jesus is amazed by. He's amazed by faith. Faith that doesn't just quote a verse. Faith that doesn't say, okay, this time I'll obey, I'll obey, but that time I'm not going. He's amazed by faith, a genuine faith that is lived out. That's what amazes Jesus. And he was amazed at the Roman centurion's amazing faith. So I said there was two. And so let's look at this second one where we get to see how Jesus is amazed. And when we look at this one, that Jesus is amazed by people that, again, this one's going to involve their faith. And, and where it's going to involve their faith is actually in his own hometown. And so we'll look at this one in Mark chapter 6. We'll start in verse 2 that Jesus, he's shown up at the synagogue in his own hometown and, and he begins to teach. Verse 2, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Now, don't get caught up in this amazement, because this isn't Jesus being amazed. This is about the people hearing him, and they are amazed. And their amazement was because they knew him. They, they were amazed that, that he would take a position and a stand with, with such authority and appeared to have such knowledgeable understanding about the word of God, which would have been part of the Old Testament at that time. And, and, and they were so amazed by this that they're just like going, okay, wow. And so then they start to respond this way. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him and what are these remarkable miracles that, that he's performing? And, and they're more puzzled in their amazement than anything else because they start to try to answer their own questions. And they say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? It's like, we, we, we know this guy, and so who is he, and why is he getting up there and, and saying this? And, and then we get to see their determination, and they took offense at him. How dare you, a local, get up there and pretend to teach and speak with such authority and try to do these signs and wonders 
when we know where you are from. Verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And so right here is a place that Jesus is not being honored. He can travel out and he'll be honored. But right here he was not being honored. Verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Could have done so much more, but that, that's all that he could do because of their lack of faith, their lack of belief. And what we get to see how Jesus is amazed the second time in Scripture. Verse 6, he was amazed at their lack of faith. He's amazed at their, their lack of faith. And, and, and most of us probably didn't see that one coming. That that's what Jesus was amazed by. He's, he's amazed by this, that this great faith and he's amazed by a lack of faith. That two things Jesus was amazed by, if you're taking notes. He was amazed by great faith. And he was amazed by the absence of faith. That is what scripture tells us the Bible shares as we read through it. The life and times of Jesus of what he was actually amazed by. And in both of these situations, Jesus was the object of faith. That is Jesus who is the object of this faith. That faith always has an object. That we always put our faith in a person, a place, or a thing. That faith always has an object. What are you putting your faith in? Because faith will always have an object. It's something that we will place somewhere. When Jesus was preparing his 12 disciples for his departure, a departure that he would sacrifice and give his life to depart from them, as he's preparing them for this. In John chapter 14, verse one, we see what Jesus says. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. That as, as Jesus was, was pulling and recruiting in the, these 12 disciples, I, I think that every disciple that he recruited in were, were people that already believed in God. They already believed in that there was this, this coming Messiah. And, and, he, and he pulls them in and he welcomes them in and he begins to reveal to them that he is the coming Messiah. He, he is the one. He is here. And he tells them, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. You, you believe in God. And then he says, believe also in me. Believe also in me. If, if you're going to have the kind of faith that I'm trying to teach you, then you need to believe in me. To believe there is a God isn't nearly as significant as believing in God. The, to, to believe there's a God is, is something that would be more like a, a God sympathizer. I'm kind of sympathetic to the cause. Yeah, there, there's a God. We don't know which God it is. Maybe, maybe all these different religions points to the same God, and, and it's just multiple expressions of himself is what some people might believe. I, I certainly don't believe that. 
But there are people that are sympathetic to the cause. Sure, there, there, there's a God. To believe there's a God is totally different than to believe in God. And Jesus is the perfect representation of the one true God. And he's telling his disciples, and he would tell us as well, believe also in me. That believe in me, no matter what you go through, no matter how difficult things are, believe also in me. That when it comes to Jesus, he came to establish relationship with people. He, he came to, to show us that, that God is a relational God. And, and there is a currency that every relationship uses and, and that they exchange with each other. It, it's the currency of relationships. And what is that currency? It's trust. That trust is the currency of relationships. And, and where there's only a little bit of currency, there's only a little bit of trust. But when there's a lot of currency being exchanged with, there is a lot of trust. It is the currency of relationships. And Jesus came to establish trust. So the currency of relationship, it's not fear. The currency of relationship, it's not obedience. The currency of relationship is not if you will, then I will. The currency of relationship is trust. And Jesus says, believe also in me, trust also in me. In John chapter 10, we'll start this in verse 24 and push through a few verses together. The Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in, in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I mean, it sounds a lot like Hey, if, if you'll just tell us that that's who you are, but, but put an end to the charades of just trying to guess and, and just tell us, then, then we'll know what you're saying and, and, and we can believe you if you'll just tell us instead of us trying to guess. And what we see Jesus say to them, verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe says, in other words, you, you don't trust what you've heard me say, and you don't trust what you've seen me do. That this currency of trust is, has not been exchanged between them. So you don't trust what I say, and you don't trust what you've seen me do. He says, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. That these things that I'm capable of doing, that, that, that I've done things you've never been able to see somebody do. And they testify about who I am and my identity. That their problem was not a lack of information. The, the, the reason that they failed to have faith wasn't because they just didn't know enough. They weren't exposed to enough. It was an unwillingness to trust is what kept them from having faith in Jesus. An unwillingness to believe him. And the same is true today. 
that for them, they had the advantage of seeing him in the flesh, hearing his voice audibly. For us, we have the advantage of seeing him overcome death, a death that he predicted, a time that he said he would overcome it by and delivering on that. And we get to see that side. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. You know, I, 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 I think if, if Jesus would have been talking in a more um, just kind of low-key, relevant way, he would have said, uh, and, and you don't believe because you're not, my, you're not my sheeple. You're just not my sheeple. Yeah, because my, my, my sheep, my sheeple, they know me. They know my voice. And they trust me. And he's saying, you, you, you don't believe because you're not my, my sheeple. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Talk about security. That nobody's gonna snatch his sheeple from his Hands, my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We're one. And here Jesus is telling them plainly once again who he is. Verse 31, again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? What, what is it that I've done that you're going you're to stone me for? We are not stoning you for any good works, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. that as he tells them plainly, they just aren't willing to believe. After all the signs and all the wonders, after all the amazement of, of the teaching and bringing insight and understanding of the heart of God, and even after Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead, Many of these who wanted to stone him still didn't believe. When we believe Jesus, then we should live our lives in a way that we would choose to honor him. That we would honor him. So, so, so our morning prayer, it doesn't start with, God, just shake me today to grow my faith. So it doesn't start that way. But maybe it should start this way. God, I pray that today you would feel honored by me. Show me the opportunities you're giving me today to honor you and give me the courage to do it. 
that, that, that we would choose to honor him. And what is the greatest way that we honor God? That the greatest way that we honor God is by, well, I wonder how you would finish that sentence. I wonder what comes to mind that you would think of, what is the greatest way for me to honor God? Maybe some would say, well, it's, it's by obeying him. Maybe some would say, well, it's, it's by knowing him more. Maybe some would say, well, it, it's about telling others about him. That, that's, that's the greatest way that I could honor him. And these are all honoring, but they aren't the greatest way. To honor God. So, what is the greatest way to honor God? The greatest way to honor God is by trusting Him. This is the greatest way that we will have an enduring faith when we honor God by trusting Him. When we go through what we don't understand, through the hurts, the heartache, the pain, the disappointments, the setbacks, that we would still honor God by trusting him, no matter what we are going through. And what we are doing as a church, as we seek to reach seekers and build believers for the kingdom of God, is we seek to create opportunities to help people grow in a way that they would be willing to trust God. And when we trust him, we will have an unshakable, enduring faith. That, that there are just different things that we do to try to help make this growth happen. That some of the things that, that we have going on just, just right around the corner. The, the two weeks from today, men, two weeks from today, tonight, that we will have an opportunity to gather together with other men, 3M, men, meal, and a message. And we're going to get to enjoy eating some, some crawfish or in a crawfish boil. That, that one of the things that they do so well is they eat very well when our men come together. And, and you know, men, we just got to get past our comfort of, of sitting at home on our couch and get up and get out. We, we, we've we've got we to stop being men that go, I just don't have enough friends in life. And then refuse to get up and get out into an environment where we can grow some friendships. That our bling ministry for women, that two weeks from tomorrow night, that they're starting a new study called Encountering God. That for seven weeks, they're going to be meeting with women and, and helping women grow their faith and grow their trust as they seek to honor him. One of the things that our, our children's ministry is doing is that Faith came to me uh, several months ago. And she said, what would you think about us doing a, an event on Good Friday? 
What would you think about us leveraging an opportunity when so many parents are gonna be looking for, well, what can I do with my kid? That, that Some of these parents are gonna to have to be working. Other parents are just going, hey, I'd really love to, to give them an opportunity to, to get together with some other people and do something to church. And she said, what, what would you think about us just taking all day and doing this Good Friday sports camp? I said, I love the idea, tell me more. And she's just the brainchild behind what, what we can do to, to get these kids together and have fun together in Jesus' name, but also get to share the significance of what Easter is really about. It's gonna be just an, an incredible day and, and we're gonna need a lot of volunteers to pull this off. We still need more. We've got some that have signed up and are gonna be helping us out and if you've got off on Good Friday, that maybe for you, one of the ways that you can honor God is trust him that it's going to be worth your time to give up your Good Friday because of what he gave up on Good Friday so that you can be somebody that could be a vessel, a tool that God would use to be helping these kids understand the real significance of what Good Friday is all about. And we're gonna be having a training event the first Sunday in, in April for those that that are gonna be helping us out with this. I, I really wanna leave you with two last thoughts. One thought is, how would I live if I had confidence that God was with me? Think about that. How would I live if I had confidence that God was with me? Well, what is it that I'd be doing differently? How would I be approaching, where, where would my trust be if, if I had confidence that God was with me? If, if the tragedy comes, if, if the hardship comes, if the disappointment comes, how would I live if I had confidence that God was with me? When my dream gets stalled, loses all traction, how would I live if the journey is harder and longer than I anticipated? How would I live if I knew God was with me? See, faith that trusts God, trust God with your head, trust God with your heart, and trust God with your hand. That's an enduring faith. And that's the kind of faith when we see it in others, we're inspired by it. And we think, what would it take to have that kind of faith? How could I have that kind of faith? Unshakable faith is an in spite of blank faith and we all get to fill in our own blanks as we go through life but an unshakable faith is it in spite of blank, whatever it is that comes whatever it is that happens whatever it is that doesn't happen that we thought should happen that is what makes an unshakable faith pray with me God I pray that we would begin to have a greater hunger for an unshakable faith, an enduring faith that, that no matter what, no matter what that blank is, 
And God, if some people are, are living with that fill in the blank right now, and it's harder on them than they imagined it would be, it's lasted far longer than they ever thought it would. It surprised them that they never even saw it coming. But God, I pray that, that faith isn't something that they would give up on and, and lose and it would wane away. But I pray that they would lean in and that every single one of us listening today, we would have an enduring faith because we choose to honor you by trusting you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.